Well, good morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Awesome. All right. Well, hopefully you got some turkey in there. And, uh, but I am super thankful that you guys are here. Excited for all of you. If I've not gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, a few years ago, my mom and stepdad, who live in Florida, came and visited us. And uh, my stepdad is a professional photographer. So whenever he comes up, we have to get family pictures because I'm super cheap. And uh, there was a park nearby our house, and we went to this park, and we got some pictures. And then we drove a little further in, and there was this really nice bridge that we wanted to get pictures in front of. And here's the bridge. And so we got some family pictures in front of that, and then we got a little bit closer, and we wanted to get pictures like standing right in front of this bridge and walking through this bridge. And as you can see, the bridge really can only fit one car at a time. And so there's another family finishing up because it's fall. It's like 50 degrees out. And uh, they want to get pictures too. They wait. A couple cars drive through. We walk into the bridge. We get my whole family situated. Okay, you stand here. No, stand here. No, stand here. Stop, stand here, do that whole thing, right, with your kids and stuff like that. And then we get everybody situated, and then here comes this beat-up pickup truck just chugging along. We're like, okay, come, all right, get out of the way, move out of the way. This guy comes rolling through, and he stops right at the end of the bridge, and he just starts talking to us. And we're like, oh, come on, guy, like, hurry up. And I'm beginning to get a little impatient. All right, it's a nice fall day. It's about 50 degrees. We don't have our jackets on because we're there for pictures. I certainly don't have a hat on, so it's starting to get a little cold, at least for me. And this guy keeps talking and talking and talking. And in the passenger seat, he has a little tiny dog. It's literally like this big. And the dog kind of like hops over into his lap, sticks his head out the window, is, is laughing and just drooling all over the place. Tongue is hanging down to the, the floor of his truck. And he's super excited to tell us about his dog. And we're like, come on, buddy. Like, hurry up. Move it along. And he's telling us that, like, apparently it's his dog's birthday. I'm like, dude, I don't care. Like, we're here in matching outfits, and my stepdad has a gigantic camera. Like, we want to take pictures. Like, move it along. And he's not getting any hints or any clues. And so in that moment, I decide I'm going to give him a clue. And just as I'm about to say the word, hey, I get an elbow in the ribs. Let's just say somebody got the clue. It wasn't the guy in the truck. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you just felt like, okay, my patients are done. I'm wearing out. And you find yourself in that situation over and over and over again. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe you're great with patience, but maybe it's, it's a habit that you wanted to get rid of a long time ago, and it keeps showing up again and again and again. And so I wonder, you know, why do I keep giving in to those moments like that? Why do I become impatient? Why do I see that guy who just wants to talk to us as an inconvenience? Why am I so impatient. Why is it time after time we do things that we shouldn't do or say things that we shouldn't say or almost say things and our wife stops us? And is there anything in the Bible that could kind of like peel back as to why we do what we do? And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6. 
Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we have it here on the screen. While you're turning to it, let me give you a little bit of context. See, Jesus is in the middle of a sermon, a long sermon, much longer than this sermon will be. And he's preaching on this hillside. There's hundreds of people sitting on the side of this hill. So many people have to step over, step on people to get anywhere to sit, looking over the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is talking about all sorts of subjects. He's talking about things like anger and murder. He's talking about being a light in a dark city. He's talking about being salt in a place that has no saltiness, like just live a changed life. He talks about things like divorce, and then he gets on to this topic of treasure. And here's what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. It's interesting. He gets on to this, this idea of treasure. And, and in the first century, they didn't have banks. So if you had anything of value, coins, artifacts, articles of clothing that you thought were valuable, you would go in your backyard, dig up a hole, stick your treasures in that hole, and bury it. Right? Great way to keep things safe. The only problem is rust would get to your metal treasures, whether that's coins or little things, trinkets that you wanted to hold on to, critters like mice and rats would get into your clothing, whatever you stashed down there, and they would show up and they would be rusty, dirty, grungy, nasty, and they just, they wouldn't last. And Jesus says, why would you have all of these treasures and store them here on this earth where you know they're not going to last Moths are going to eat your clothes. I don't know if you ever had a moth problem in your house. They just eat your clothes. It's super weird. Rust destroys. I mean, if you drive anywhere in New York, you already have experienced this in the winter because they spread who knows what's all over the, the road, and it just, just destroys your vehicle. No matter how great your vehicle is, no matter how many times you keep on layering it with that other stuff to like coat it, keep the rust off, Like it's going to find its way into your car. That's New York's gift to you. It's going to destroy them. And people are going to break in. They're going to steal your stuff. And that's his point. The stuff you have here on earth, it won't last forever. You hold on to it. You try to take care of it. But something at some point will happen to it. And so many of us, myself included, I find myself living for treasures here on earth, clothes, shoes, gadgets, phones, watches that talk to me and tell me what I need to do next. But not only those types of treasures, I find myself living for other treasures like the love and acceptance and approval of others or, or to, to be secure or have security maybe in a family or in a job or money so I can take care of my family, so I can plan for the future, like all of those things I find to be treasures. And Jesus says, don't focus on all of the treasures here on earth, but instead take those treasures, find treasures that you can store up somewhere else. And this is what he says in verse 20. Verse 20, he says, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. 
And so instead of storing them here, he says, look outside this. Go somewhere else, and here's why. Because verse 21, he says, because wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. What Jesus is saying is that the treasures, whether they're physical or, or, or ideas or concepts, whatever it is that you treasure, that is going to drive my heart. And wherever my heart is, that's going to drive the person. That's going to drive me. That, that drives you. And so you can look at my behavior. You can look at your behavior. And you can kind of reverse engineer it and go, okay, what did I want? What was I treasuring? And think about me standing at that bridge, hearing this older gentleman talk and be all excited about his dog and his dog's birthday. And at that moment, what was I wanting? Well, I, I was cold, so I wanted to be warm. I valued my time, so I wanted to kind of hurry it up. And I saw this individual as an inconvenience to me. And I thought that my life and my family and my priorities were more important than him. Well, come up with a different example. Imagine, imagine you treasure or you value peace and quiet. You walk into your home after running errands or after a long day of work, and it's not peace and quiet. Instead, it is loud chaos. What are you thinking? Help! <laughs> Help! What are you feeling? What might you do? You might say some things to get peace and quiet. You might go run and hide into another room and just like close yourself off. And so whatever we treasure, that's going to drive our heart, our thinking, our affections, our choices. That's going to drive you. And so here's a question. What do I treasure? What do you treasure? Have you ever thought about that? If you really want to think through why I keep doing, why you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, it really comes down to this question. What do I treasure? What do you treasure? And I'll be honest with you, the things that you treasure are not all bad things. There's nothing wrong with, with, ha with having a family. There's nothing wrong with being married. There's nothing wrong with having a car. There's nothing wrong with having a job and making money. There's certainly nothing wrong with having a phone or electronics or shoes or clothes. But when those things begin to consume us, when those things begin to rule and dominate our lives... They become a treasure. And so, remember, here's what he says in verse 21. He says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Not just the blood pumper, but my thoughts, my affections, and my choices. All of that is wrapped into this concept of the heart. And so, you treasure the things that you want, and that begins to drive everything that you think about, everything that you do, everything that you say, everything that you desire. So is there any clue on how to overcome this? Here's what he says in verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Here's the deal. When it comes down to treasures, you're either living for the kingdom of self, I'm either living for the kingdom of Tim, or 
I'm living for the kingdom of God. That's it. There's only two kingdoms you can live for, the kingdom of self or the kingdom of God. There's no fence. There's no middle ground. There's no place to sit and try to get one foot in both. It's either one or the other. And when I find myself getting worked up, frustrated, annoyed, angry, I'm living for the kingdom of Tim. When I find myself just consumed with worry and fear because I'm wondering, will I have enough for tomorrow? Will I be able to pull off Christmas? Will I be able to pay for these gifts? Will I be able to do all these things? I'm consumed with the kingdom of self. And what Jesus says is stop focusing on the treasures of this earth that you cannot keep, you can't take with you, you can't hold on to, and shift to the kingdom of God. Prioritize the kingdom of God above everything else, which is hard. That's a big shift. And God's not against treasures. He's not against rewards. He's not against you enjoying your life. He wants you to enjoy your life. But what he's saying is, Seek first the kingdom of God. Make that a higher priority than anything else. And so, what is, is it just about shifting our rewards? Is it just about shifting what we're pursuing? What is our life's pursuit? And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's deciding, I'm no longer going to live for the kingdom of self, but I'm going to seek the kingdom of God. In every area of my life, not just with money, but with my time, my emotions, my family, my responsibilities, everything, I'm going to totally shift. It's a kingdom shift. Paul gives us a clue. He's writing to this church in the, Philipp to the Philippines, and, um, Philippine church, and he's writing this in chapter 3, verse 7. Paul says this, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Paul, one of the apostles, is, is talking about all the things of this world. He says, there's so many things out there. And I look at them, and I go, it, it was all worthless. I mean, just imagine you have an extra 30 bucks. You can do whatever you want with that extra 30 bucks. You can go buy some really nice coffee with that. You could go tanning in the middle of November. But will that last the coffee certainly will not last. And we know if you show up in church in November looking sort of orange, <laughs> we know that won't last either. Or you could take that 30 bucks and you could give it to an organization like Chow. And you could feed a kid. Or you could take that 30 bucks, you could give it to Hope for Cora, and you could help some of these families in Ethiopia. And I wonder, that type of investment, how long will that type of investment last? Or maybe you find yourself working so hard so that you can save up and buy that really nice car made in Germany. Not the Volkswagen, but you know the other one. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but you find yourself working 15, 16, 17 hours a day coming home. Your kids are already asleep. And you're just living for that car that you're saving up for or that you're making payments to. Can, can I make more sales? Can I work on Saturday? Can I get more hours in? Can I get more jobs taken care of? And how long will that car last? 20 years maybe, but how long before it gets a scratch, a dent, a stain, a ding? But what if, what if I scaled back and I didn't work so much. I didn't make so much money, but when I came home, I invested it in my family. I invested it in my kids, or if I'm single and I don't have kids, or, or I'm married and I don't have kids, I invest it in other people. How long will that last? That's what Paul's getting at. Everything else is worthless when I compare it to the value of knowing Jesus. If I compare all the treasures, all the values, all the trinkets, all the amazing things, billions and billions of dollars, if I compare that to knowing Jesus, Paul says it's worthless. And it's garbage. So I could, I could run after, I want to chase after Jesus. And here's what he says, verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling. This is what Paul is living his life for. He describes the life like running a race, like working towards a competition. He says, I'm running towards this race knowing it's going to be a long race. It's not a sprint. It's the marathon of all marathons. And I'm running this race. I'm fixing my eyes just on the finish line. I'm not looking over here. Not looking over here, but I'm running, pursuing that so that at the end, I'll get the prize. I'm working ho so hard to, to compete so that at the end, at the competition, I'm going to get the gold medal. I'm working so hard to perform, to sing, to act. At the very end of that performance, I'm going to get the prize, living my life running so that I get the prize. Francis Chan does an illustration. He describes it this way. He says, now imagine you have this rope and this rope just kind of goes on forever. It just keeps on going. Imagine it goes all the way around the earth several times, millions of times. It just keeps on going on and on and on and on. And imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. It just goes on forever. Now imagine this blue part is your existence here on earth. And you know what's crazy? So many of us, we, we work so hard. We save, 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 save. So we get right here. We can go collect seashells and play golf and travel and eat the foods that we want to eat. But the amazing thing is we never think about all of this, all of eternity. And the Bible says that everything that I do here in this blue part determines how I'm going to spend all of this. And yet we, yet so many of us work so hard to make this part so comfortable, 
so that I can enjoy all of this, that one day I can, I can do all these things that I want to do. I can travel. I can eat the foods that I want to eat. I can pack up my RV and travel all across the United States and do all those things. I never think about all of this. And I think what Paul is getting after is that we are called to live for the line. Now, by line, I simply mean the rest of this, all of this eternity. This is the line. In geometry, a line is a straight, one-dimensional figure that just goes in both directions and just keeps on going forever. And so we want to live for the line, not the dot. It's amazing because we have one chance at this, one chance, and then we have all of eternity, one chance. And Paul says, I'm running this race, I'm chasing after, and I'm living my life for the line. I'm not looking over here. I'm not looking over there. I'm running. I'm pursuing the finish line so that when I get there, I have all of eternity. And that's true for all of us. That's why Jesus says, don't focus about on storing up treasures here on earth. <laughs> Live for the line. There's so much more. There's millions and millions and millions and millions of years and forever that's coming after this little dot right here. And maybe you, you hear all of that and you go, Tim, are you saying like I shouldn't spend any money on myself at all? Like it kind of sounds like you're just saying like sell everything, move out into the woods, live in a lean-to and eat ramen noodles the rest of my life. That's not what I'm saying, okay? God's not against you enjoying stuff. God's not against you enjoying your life. He wants you to enjoy life. But he wants us to be aware of, of what we're treasuring. Is it the things on this earth or is it the things up in heaven? Are we, are we living for the kingdom of self or are we living for the kingdom of God? So let me give you a grid to think through all of this. Here's, here's a grid. A couple of questions I came up with. One, if we looked at the whole year of spending, if we took out your bank statements and printed them all out, highlighted, marked, underlined, circled, and just looked at the whole year, what conclusions would we draw? What kind of treasures are you laying? Are you laying up treasures here on earth or treasures on heaven? I'm not talking about last week. I'm not talking about Black Friday, which is now a whole month. I'm talking about the last 12 months or last 24 months. If we looked at all of the themes, the overarching theme, what would we find? What would we conclude? What's the direction of my life? Is there a trend? Are you making gospel investments? If we looked at not just your money, but how you spend your time, your resources, your energies. If we looked at every area of your life. Now, I'm not going to do this because I don't have all the time in the world to go all up in your business and find out what's going on. And that's your business. But for myself, as I wrestled through this text, I began to wonder, like, man, what, what am I doing? 
What are the overarching themes in the Sullivan house? What's the overarching trends for Tim? What's the overarching trends for, for my family? What's the direction? Am I making gospel investments? And so I want you to wrestle with those questions. And here's where I'll leave you with Acts 20, verse 24. Paul says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So you're either going to worship your wealth or you're either going to worship with your wealth. You could swap that out. You're either going to worship your treasures or you're going to worship with other treasures, right? The treasures of heaven. What am I pursuing? What's the direction of my life? And so to kind of give you a reminder, we have these, these bracelets. You can grab one on the way out. They're thin little bracelets. They say, live for the line. My challenge to you is that you would grab one of these bracelets and you would wear it as a reminder that you would live for the line, not for the dot. That throughout this week, you would use that bracelet. You would be reminded day after day, what am I living for today? What am I living for in this very moment? We have an opportunity coming up. It's Christmas Eve. We have four Christmas Eve services coming up. Now, Chris mentioned some invite cards, and I failed to tell Chris that there was a delay in the cards. The card's not here. However, we have an opportunity to think about who could we invite? Now, notice two services on Saturday, 3.30 and 5. Two identical services. Two more identical services on Sunday. There is no Sunday morning service. If you show up on Sunday morning, you will be all by yourself. But if you come back at 3.30, it will be packed. So I just want you to begin thinking about, who could I invite? And, and here's what I've, what I've seen. 80% of the people who come and check Bridgewater out come because you invited them. They come because you invited them, not because me, okay? It's incredible. Let them say no. But here's what I also know. Around Christmas time, here's a secret. People are expecting to do Christmassy things around Christmas time. So coming to a Christmas Eve service with candlelights and singing is not so much out of reach for them. But imagine what would happen if this week, if we began to live for the line. Who could I invite? Who could I talk to about Jesus? If I began to live for the line, how would that transform my family? How would that transform my work relationships? How would that transform everything that I do if this week I simply began to live for the line? Let me pray with you. God, you are amazing. And you've given us more than we deserve. And I think of how you've continued to bless us and our families, if you continue to bless this church and this community. And I just ask that you would help us, that you would help me to love the things that you love, that you would help me to see people the way that you see them, that I would be able to talk to them and interact with them in a ways that you would do that. And I would begin to treasure the things that you treasure, and I would pursue 
you and fix my eyes on Christ. As we get ready for Christmas, begin to shift gears, we know it can be one of those crazy times where some of us can't wait for it to be over. Some of us just can't wait for it to happen. There's a mix, and we know that, which help us to live for the line. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.